0: Hello, <laughs> <laughs> and action,
1: and welcome to technical difficulties with Ben and Jeff. That's what they say before recordings, right? Action, action. They say three, two, one, action. Lights, uh, very important for a podcast. Camera. Camera, extremely important for a podcast. We've got uh, multiple on.
0: I can't point in front of this. The one. One we got these, that one. There are I four, five cameras there. in this room that we know of. Look, wait, one, two. Three, four, five. That yeah. one's not a camera. Yeah.
1: None of these. Oh, that's a bad. But for people who are not joining us live, then all of this is is moot. Because you're listening to the show. Hello, welcome to the Giant Bombcast after show where we take your calls. And your questions from the chat, and uh, talk about stuff, chop it up with you for an hour or so. That's right. Uh, and this week, you know, I think probably the biggest thing going on in gaming news-wise is probably the 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 blue hole epic tiff around uh, battlegrounds. I, if you, I want to hear if, if you've played Fortnite. If you're a Fortnite player existing, and you've, uh, what do you think about this battle royale thing? Or if you're, you know, like oh, just. Shit. What do you think about this battle royale thing? It's weird, right? Yeah, I want to hear some uh, some takes on that. You played sure. it, right? I did play it.
0: Yeah. What do you think? It's okay.
1: It's not something I would feel like I want to play much more of, considering <laughs> uh, I've got Battlegrounds. But you know, there are PS4 owners that might not have access to, to Battlegrounds. So yeah, there's that whole thing. Um, so yeah, we uh, hear about that. Uh, of course, this is the after show for the 500th episode of the Giant Bomb Cast. Woo. So if you if you have any questions about
0: our sword history, that's right. I've got
1: all the answers. That's right. Ben is your person for podcast answers. He's been the archivist this entire
0: time. Giant bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that one bit about knife versus bat. Yep, and that's about it. That's pretty much all. Yeah.
1: That, that's really that's really all there
0: was. Have you told the fine folks how they can call in? They can, uh,
1: they can call in. Uh, we've got our Discord account name uh, listed. If you're watching live, it is just below the video window, and you can uh, you can add that as a friend, and then Ben will hit the accept button because he's a friendly person. I'm lying, he's not. But and then you can send your question. Type it in. Type your question to us. It's like, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll take a look at him. If Ben likes your question, then he'll call you back, and we can talk. Otherwise, you can send us questions in chat uh via text. Uh there's an ask a question button at the top of the chat. You can click on that. It is sweet, and you can type your question on uh and a question and uh we can then uh take your text questions. Like uh let's see here. Like uh Rohit N has sent in one saying, "What do you think of Atlas's attempt to take down RPCS3?" Uh which is um Oh, wow. Uh, Atlas has issued a statement around it. So, so uh, this is a PlayStation 3 emulator. Oh, wow. And Persona 5 had gotten r- to be running relatively well in it uh, amongst other games. You know, it's just a generic PlayStation 3 emulator. Uh, they had posted some images and stuff uh, of uh, the, the, the team making the emulator. Had posted some, some images of it uh, running in their emulator. And Atlas apparently has issued a DMCA takedown. And Atlas has issued a statement here that uh, was linked to me. Uh, you might have... Oh, I'm just going to read this whole thing because it's just... I'm not, I haven't even read the whole thing and it's just weird. <clears throat> you might have heard earlier today that we issued a DMCA takedown notice involving Emulation Developer Group RPS, RPCS3 and their Patreon page. Yes, it's true. <laughs> we, we settled upon this action for two reasons. One, we believe that our fans best experience our titles, like Persona 5, on the actual platform for which they are developed. We don't want their first experiences to be framerate drops or crashes or other issues that can crop up in emulation that we have not personally overseen. We understand that many Persona fans would love to see a PC version, and while we don't have anything to announce today, we are listening. For now, the best way to experience Persona 5 is on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3. Wow. Yeah. They go on. Two, we appreciate the awareness generated by the emulation community for Persona 5 and know that it is a fantastic example of how much people are loving our game. We want to keep bringing you titles like Persona 5. Unfortunately, when our content is illegally circumvented and potentially made available for free in a format we do not think delivers the experience and quality we intend, it undermines our ability to do so by diverting potential support from new audiences. We want to continue having a dialogue about where and how you would like to play our games. Please let us know what you think. Uh, that's a new one. That's a That's a fresh approach. Yeah. You think that's going to work? No. Well, I I, like also, I don't think legally that like it's a PlayStation three emulator in the generic. It's not a persona emulator. It does not use any of Atlas's code. Uh, It does not. I mean, to my knowledge, I don't see why it would. Uh, And this is crazy, Uh, but you know, they're probably able to issue these things. And then, you know, the people like Patreon are legally obliged to react and it would be up to RPS, RPCS3 or other emulation developers or, or something like that to kind of like respond in a legal context to say, no, you don't have a leg to stand on here. There is some case law about emulation out there. Sony tried to take uh, an emulator to court back in the PlayStation 1 days. Um, the Connectix Incorporated, they were called. They, they had an emulator called VG, the Video Game Station, I think it was what it was called. Huh. And it was a, a Mac-based PlayStation emulator. Okay. And uh, the the emulator did not incorporate any of Sony's code. It was all reverse engineered, kind of clean room style. Thus, it was deemed legal. Bleem went through a similar thing. Bleem was another uh, PC based PlayStation emulator.
0: So, how do emulators? How would an emulator theoretically get taken down? Uh,
1: because DMCA is something that copyright holders uh, can issue and and like the checking based the the checking that goes into determining if they're in the right uh is is happens after the fact. So companies like Google and and, and YouTube and stuff like that are kind of legally obliged to act when a DMCA request is filed with them even if it is uh fraudulent and that's kind of determined after the fact. So it seems like that they would have hit the Patreon uh for these this emulator which uh, more and more emulators are going to Patreon lately which is I have somewhat mixed feelings on, but generally, you know, these hobbyist authors should open source authors should be able to get paid for their work. Uh, especially if they're not incorporating uh, existing Sony code to make their emulator and stuff like that. Like they're legally in the clear. Yeah. Um, so a so- someone, a maker of software going to these lengths is dramatic. And also I don't, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't think they have a leg to stand on, in, on in this, but they were using images of persona to kind of say hey our latest progress report here this game now runs and that's so, where it gets weird that's where it gets weird um
0: and so i mean that's like the the blue hole epic thing right it, it's they were using their B- battlegrounds name in press releases yeah and stuff yeah like. that's where it, that's maybe that yeah that's kind of where it gets
1: weird you could you could tie those together yeah so you know like atlas did not make the playstation 3 They have no uh, financial, and I think that their statement here is actual, is is fucking bullshit, honestly. (laughs) Like, this whole thing about, like, oh, we don't want their first experience to be with frame rate drops or crashes. No one, I, I can tell you, as someone who has seen RPCS3 running, it is a very early, fucked up thing. It runs some games surprisingly well, considering it's a PlayStation 3 emulator. Um but you're not going to mistake that for an official thing the hoops you have to jump through to make that shit work are numerous and insane and no one's going to blame atlas if rpcs3 doesn't run persona 5 well that's real that's a really wild leg for them to try to stand on no. i think that's crazy yeah there's no way um and the the illegality of 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 this kind of saying oh when our content is illegally circumvented and potentially made available for free the, this team is not they are not pirates uh, unless that's what they're trying to say emulation is not piracy they are not saying hey here's a pirate copy of this game for use with our emulator yeah, they're not that not stupid a ROM site. yeah it's not a rom site uh, that stuff has already been that, that stuff has, has kind of been Is we're past that the idea that they would try to drag that up as a justification for this is f- also fucking crazy um you know, the, the DMCA was meant to uh, uh, step in when uh, uh, copy protection gets circumvented illegally and stuff like that. But this, uh, this emulator does not actually do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to jump through some hoops that are less than legal to get a game ready for use on this emulator. But that is not the emulator's fault. The emulator is in the clear on this stuff. Like you would have to provide a copy of the game and decryption keys to make it work, as I understand it. Maybe that's only for digital games. I have not messed with this thing personally very much, um, but yeah, this is this is really wild. I don't think they have. I really don't think they have a leg to stand on on this. This is 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 a really fucking crazy approach, and I think it's really gross uh, that Atlas would do this. I think this is, this is a really uh, uninformed take on this. I think it's it's a really bad response uh to something that does not affect them as much as they are trying to claim uh here and i understand that they want to make their games available on pc and that this this could potentially cut into it i think that's a that's a reasonable uh that's a reasonable statement but all of piracy is that putting that game out on the pc will create a piracy problem on the pc you know like it's it's this is not the way to address that situation this is this is uh, a very backwards approach. I think that they have. Th- I think this is gross. Uh, I think it's really gross. It's funny. It seems is, disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they are they are using these laws in ways that they were probably not intended to be used, and taking action against a group that that is not at fault here. You want to find people that are pirating your game? Go for it. Like shut down torrent sites. Like try you know like like fight that fight. These people are not pirating your fucking game. It's very telling that when you go to this page and scroll through the latest news section on the Atlas site, it is this story, and then it is two updates about Persona 5 streaming regulations. Like, Atlas is so fucking far gone with this stuff, it's it's mind-blowing. And I think, my understanding is a lot of this stuff comes out of Atlas Japan, and that the people in the U.S. are, like, knowledgeable about how the world works and, and stuff like that, but at some point they are not, they owned by us atlas japan it was owned by yeah. sega and all that stuff so the the edicts come down and they go well we tried to stop them from taking this awful approach but here we are uh so i i don't know if that's the case in in this situation um th- th- this is wow that that's a really bold and and awful thing i, I that's that's really terrible um I hope that that team can get it together. Too often you see uh, people in the emulation community, authors and stuff like that. You see the, the authors of RetroArch kind of coming out there and saying like, oh, the, here's another Kickstarter stealing our code. But that's all they do is they say, they point at it and go, here's another person violating our open source stuff. Like they don't always have the resources or the time, or the time or, yeah. or the, to, to like pursue actual legal action that would stop this
0: stuff. Uh, so, so it's already a a passion project for a lot of people. Right. I assume. I assume there's not a ton of money to be had. Like I'm sure there's you know a couple of people who who you know have yeah. patreons or whatever and and make a little bit of money there. But yeah, it seems like this is for the most part a passion project, and it's like you don't want to have to devote time with lawyers and outreach yeah. and all that stuff with something you want to be doing for fun and like for you know your passion,
1: right? Also, I think though, if if you're gonna if you're gonna try to if you're gonna complain about this stuff, like if it bothers you to that point, I think you should try to go all the way with it. Yeah. Uh, and and fight back against the you know if the the retrons of the world and some of these other some of these other people that have just taken emulator code, taken open source code, and and repurposed it in their closed source projects. Um, I think that that stuff really sucks.
0: We got some uh, hot lines. All right, over here. If we want to hop in, yeah. Let's let's get in there so uh we're gonna take our first call here hello are you there on the internet phone
1: hello hi
0: hello what's your name where are you hey. calling from
1: hey this is yvonne from portland hello portland yvonne what's on your mind hello uh so you guys talked about it on the bombcast a bit you know how the whole thing with the blue hole and kind
0: of you're cutting out as...
1: oh you guys talked about it on the bombcast kind of how uh the whole thing the whole thing between Blue Hole and Epic is kind of shitty from both sides both from a legal and non-legal aspect. Yeah. Um right so I'm wondering has it, it kind of comes down to precedent like has this ever happened before as blatantly as this as you can think where a li- a licensor that's actually Direct, directly competing or even just copying a game that's using their their uh their tech. Yeah. Uh, th- thanks for the question. Yeah. I I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if anything that this this particular situation where the company making the the cloned effort is uh is actually doing business with uh the other company. You could say that Ms. Pac-Man uh, that that situation might be similar. So what happened with Ms. Pac-Man? So Miss Pac-Man was made was made in the US. Uh Pac-Man was made by Namco. It was licensed for uh publishing and distribution in the US by Midway or Bally Midway at the time. So so US Pac-Man machines came from Midway. And later on, uh Midway started issuing updates to Pac-Man. Uh and a company called a GCC general computing corporation. I think they were called, uh, I'm going to try to look this up to, to get it right. But anyway, midway made, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm calling up this page here. Um, GCC, the general computer corporation had made a, a game called crazy auto, uh, that was, uh, similar to pac-man and 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 was like i guess a hack of of pac-man so they they presented that game to midway who was the american distributor of pac-man uh and this is the wikipedia page just came up in search um it says here midway had become impatient in waiting for namco to release uh super pac-man which was the the true sequel to pac-man and so they took crazy auto and turned it into uh eventually turned it into ms pac-man and they felt as the like as, the, as they had distributed pac-man this was this something that kind of ran on pac-man hardware it was kind of new software for pac-man in, in a weird way uh-huh. and, and so they reissued it and and basically namco was like fucking what um That's... and yeah so so that kind of
0: but i mean they put a bow on her they did it's it was, completely it was, it was a different hair it's completely different
1: yeah but, uh, so, so that, that was maybe a, a similar, uh, a similar case. Um, and it looks like, yeah, according to this Midway and GCC actually had a, a brief battle about royalties too. Uh, so yeah, that was an unauthorized sequel it led to the termination of the licensing agreement between Namco and Midway. Uh, and. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, but also uh, one of the founders, uh, co-founders of uh, GCC, claims that uh, Nakamura from Namco actually offered feedback about Ms. Pac-Man. So, hmm. yeah, sounds like there's some disputes there. Doug McRae, actually, the one of those co-founders, actually, still I don't know if he's still in the video game business, but he worked on he worked at 38 Studios, you know, really. Thing. So he was still out there doing stuff, huh. I believe um so yeah th- that's a situation where yeah it's like a licensor that kind of gets a little overzealous and decides to make a sequel to a thing they licensed even though they don't hold the actual rights to it um and now and now ms pac-man is definitely thought of as a namco game
0: yeah no i totally thought it was yeah just a sequel to pac-man right
1: yeah and th- that gcc company i believe would make go on to make other games for midway that would just be kind of published as midway games and not necessarily uh they wouldn't necessarily be known as As GCC games, right? Um, You got anything over there?
0: Yeah. Um, This one's not really on the same topic, but I know it's something you might have something to say about. All right. So I'm going to hit call. Hello.
1: Hi, this is Bryn from the UK calling again. Hello, Bryn. Where's what's on your mind? Hello, hi. Where's what's Uh, on your mind? Where's what's on your mind? I was
2: basically going to ask you about the Atari box news. We finally got some more news about what the hell that thing is. Yeah. Uh, So. Turns out it's just an AMD Radeon based GNU Plus Linux box.
1: Yeah, weird, um, right? I, I thought for sure really it would just be strange. an Android box. Yeah, uh, it, it is a really strange. Yeah, they they have not they've they've just kind of talked loosely about some of the specs, right? Like you can kind of configure some there like some RAM options or something, right?
2: Yeah, I haven't seen any real specifics. Just a sort of vague. It's going to be in the three hundred dollar price range and maybe a little bit plus or minus.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, and it runs Linux. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, thanks for your call. That's, uh, it's, um, it's a really strange, I don't know. The Atari box thing is strange from the get-go because Atari is such a strange company now. And I, they're kind of saying like, oh, this will play classic Atari games, but much more. And it's like, well, okay, if it's running Linux and, 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 and it is capable of running Linux, then yeah, you could probably kind of do a lot with it. Um, the power range of the device at some point probably limits what you can actually do with it. But that sounds more open than I thought it would be. Um, well, I don't know. I guess I thought it would be an Android box. I thought it would just be another, another kind of post post fire stick Android sort of deal. Yeah. Uh, which never sounded like a great thing. Um, but that's, uh, that's slightly more interesting, but still, so what do
0: you see? happening with this i think they'll
1: sell this and they'll try to sell some of atari's games with it they'll sell it off of its visual design which kind of evokes the atari 2600 so they'll kind of have a nostalgia play they'll include whatever games they can they'll license emulators or write their own uh hopefully they'll license them and not just steal stuff like we were just talking about yeah um and I would assume some number of those would come with the box and that they would hope to sell more after the fact, which seems like a strange proposition considering uh, a lot of their games are in packages on Steam and available in a, in a variety of different ways uh, through different compilations over the years. That like buying a box and being tethered down to that specific box to own that stuff seems like a little weird. Um, and maybe that ends up being an effective price for like a low powered uh, Linux kind of PC sort of deal. Uh, but I I don't know, they haven't said enough about the specs one way or the other for us to really kind of go too far beyond that. Uh, I don't think it sounds super interesting, but I'm slightly I, I'm more I, I'm curious to see what that thing actually is and 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 what it looks like when it's running. Um, like they're they're talking that they'll have like a custom front end for it and all that sort of stuff, and and I'll be interested in seeing how that stuff looks. But I just. I wonder what emulator tech they're going with if they're creating a storefront for these games that they're selling and and all that sort of stuff. I think that's the the stuff I'm most interested in, but it's kind of academic at that point. Like I don't I don't know that I think this thing is like going to be some uh, huge success. Definitely not like an NES Classic or SNES Classic sort of sort of deal. Um, just because those games. Those Atari games have been reissued a ton of times. You can buy joysticks that have the games embedded in them and all this other stuff. Then another Atari flashback console, I think, just came out from the makers of that. They got that hat. Yeah, they got that hat with the speakers in it. What more do you need? Oh, God, that hat. Um, yeah, I, it's a really strange thing. I, I think Atari is, is just a, like, what is Atari? They're like a licensing company or something at this point. So there's this thing. They're, they're going to take their orders on like a funding, on like a crowdfunding site. Which I don't know if that I don't know if that's like, hey, we need to hit this goal before we make it at all, or if they're just using it to do pre-orders, or what. the The press release made it sound a little more like they were just going to take pre-orders on a crowdfunding site, which seems like a weird way to go. Like, just set up your own storefront. Like, I don't know why you need to. I don't know what additional promotion they get out of that. Seems seems weird. The whole thing seems weird. Yeah, Uh, and it's out in the spring, so a little ways off. Hey, I got a question All real right.
0: quick. Uh, question for who, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Ben from San Francisco. What the fuck is up with Sonic and Hooters?
1: I don't know. I saw people talking about it and didn't want to look into any of it because it was just too much. Just too much for me to, do, do I have to look? Are, I, I'm going to type
0: Sonic I need, yeah. Hooters. I didn't want to look it up either, but I feel like I, someone with your industry clout, you can kind of make sense of this better than I can.
1: It looks like it's a Sonic Forces promotion um okay this is in japan okay so it is hooters in tokyo
0: hooters international
1: uh-huh the real hooters uh and it is a sonic forces promotion
0: is it like there is a the restaurant themed like sonic
1: it doesn't who's this, the this kotaku story that who's came the up audience uh in japan it's let you know it's japan what are you gonna do what does Japan even think of Hooters? That's the question I want to
0: know. Yeah, we, probably, we went to an
1: Outback Steakhouse and it was pretty good.
0: Probably like an American themed, yeah, experience. Yeah,
1: sort of, sort of, kinda. Of. Um, yeah, they, they have not announced details other than uh, Akasaka, Akasaka. This pronunciation is it? Ginza and Shibuya West. Those are the locations where the Hooters promotion will take place. How um, much
0: time do we have to get over there and check them out?
1: Uh, it's a nine-hour flight, so uh, the the details of the campaign have not been announced. Okay. So they have not even started promoting Sonic Forces in Hooters. I don't know. Maybe it's like a kid's meal. Th- like, <laughs> if you go to Hooters and get two orders of wings that comes with, like, maybe the wings are named Flickies. Oh. And,
0: or maybe they're rings instead of wings. Mm-hmm,
1: chicken rings.
0: Yeah. Just like the White Castle. And if, you get, if they punch you in the stomach, you lose all of them.
1: Right. It's probably something like that. It's a Sonic-themed placemats and hedgehog fries. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be like a fast food promotion, for, I'm, I'm guessing.
0: Uh, you want to take a call? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This call is back on the Battlegrounds slash epic topic. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello. Caller, go ahead. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
1: Um, John from around Chicago-ish, I guess. Hello, John uh, from around Chicago-ish. I guess. Like champagne, what are we talking here, Joliet uh palatine Northwest suburbs
0: okay. Palatine all right, yeah, all
1: right, um, so my question is, uh do you think that uh, any part of the problem with the whole blue hole epic thing comes from the fact that epic kind of controls too many links in the chain, uh being a developer, publisher, engine, licensee, uh it's kind of just a lot of different things going on at once, and uh, to me, it kind of brought back to mind like the GameStop getting into publishing and like some of the weirdness there or like Sony, uh, what do you call it? Um, Helping publish uh, No Man's Sky and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. and how that kind of turned around on it when they backed away from No Man's Sky. Right. Um, And just like, do you see that being a problem going down the road with like um, so much of the industry now is broken up into like these huge sections of like Epic and EA and Activision Blizzard um do you see that kind of almost monopolistic sort of thing uh becoming more of a problem going right. forward yeah uh yeah thanks for your call yeah i i i don't know that it's uh, like a problem of monopoly necessarily cuz i think you know there like epic has faced like tremendous competition on the engine front from from unity and and stuff like that as well so i think some of that seems to be swinging back in epic's direction since they changed some of their licensing terms, but uh, but I think there's there's a lot of competition out there in the, in the engine world, um, but maybe it's a case where because they have their fingers in so many different segments of the business that you know it, it can create something that has the appearance of a conflict of interest, right? And and you don't know if, but yeah, it's so this is a very complicated one, and I, I just I don't. I maybe it's something they need to just be kind of tr- more transparent about in terms of like how they operate as a engine licenser versus how they operate as a game developer and publisher uh and and that sort of stuff and and what crossover is allowed to take place and what crossover isn't but maybe some of that varies from publisher to publisher it might be a case of like oh we so this publisher did something really cool with the engine and we'd like to license it back from them to put into the the trunk the core of the Unreal Engine or something like that or, you know, or or buy this work off of them to to
0: improve the engine or or
1: I don't know what those terms are, if if that's even something that has ever happened, I I don't know.
0: Like, I could see the fear in this, I mean, it's not really a monopoly, but this, like, single-channel organizational having control over various aspects, but I can also see the benefit of it, right? Like, because they're so intertwined in all the different fronts, they Mm -hmm. know, like, if there's a problem... If there's going to be a problem with this publishing thing, here's something—an engine we can do, you know. Right,
1: like... and and it's something where where they use their own engine, and they, you know, they—I think they've said previously that they didn't consider an engine to be ready until they'd shipped a game on it. I think they've changed since then because their 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 businesses has changed around quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it leads to a strange case where, you know, and, and that's I think what what Dennis Dyak was getting at uh, when when he was uh saying a lot of bad things about epic and the way that they that they and saying that they were bad partners yeah. i think in that case you know he was in a case where he had a pretty rough game on his hands uh, it was not a quality product and and so at the time it felt like trying to lay blame at someone else's feet um in a, in a lot of ways um at least that's how it came off I don't, I don't really know the the ins and outs of that one either that's you know that's we we only know what they made public at that point, and uh, yeah, I, I think it, maybe it's an issue of transparency. Maybe Epic needs to be very upfront about how the licensing business crosses over with their development business and when, uh, so that so that if only so that their licensees feel more comforted that they aren't going to come up with a killer idea that happens to use Unreal Engine and then suddenly Epic's going to roll it into one of their own games. Yeah. Uh, or something like that uh it's just it's a little too close for comfort like i don't think any of it is necessarily illegal um but it it gets a little too close for comfort in, in some areas so i see why why blue hole would feel skittish about this considering with the number of copies they've sold epic has certainly made quite a lot of money off of off of blue hole at this point um yeah man it's a weird one it's a weird one um, let's see here. Uh, you got anything over there? You want me to, to? Uh, why don't you hop in and take take a couple chat? Okay. Uh, L Pockets says, wondering if I get a pulse check on the state of VR now, and also if there will be any verodiOS in the near future. We're overdue for a verodio.
0: Yeah, we were uh, gonna get one ready, but now this raid business is yeah up. Yeah, we're, a big we're, chunk of the we're week.
1: raiding. We're raiding this week, so there's that. Um and
0: the raids knocking yeah the vr
1: won't be talking that's right i don't have any of that stuff set up easily at home anymore Uh, i've got the rift still connected but like at one point that room that i play games in got a little too cluttered for vr and i need to like clean it up before i can do anything so i just haven't been able to really check in on anything on my off time which makes it harder to kind of collect a list of games for a rodeo I know we want to look at Gorn. Yeah. Uh, we still haven't done anything with uh, Echo Arena.
0: What's that new goat thing? New duck? Oh, uh,
1: duck season. Duck season. Yeah. Th- I think those are, the, those are the big three right now that I have not seen that I want to. Uh, though, actually, I, I did play Echo Arena at an event prior to E3, and it seemed okay. I don't know. People made a huge deal of it when they had their free um, open beta thing. The The two games of it I played seemed fine but i i didn't i would didn't necessarily fall in love with it i'd be curious to see if people are still playing it now um if it's doing if it's doing well or not um but yeah i don't know Uh, the the vr stuff i think it's doing fine i still see games coming out here and there that i would like to see uh bare minimum so you know i think it's, it's still got that going for it but uh yeah, I don't know. Very few people. I mean, you know, and, and, and those videos do well when we put them up, but there haven't really been a ton of people saying, oh man, you got to do more of that. It, yeah. It, it's, I think people. It's like aren't... whenever
0: there's a new cool VR game, we're yeah. always like, oh, that'd be cool to look at, but it's never cool enough. Well, the, the problem I've run
1: into at home anyway is mm. that checking that stuff out has become a hassle. Uh, like, like the, if i the, just
0: had a vr thing i could slip into and yeah. check stuff out sure and, then, and but that's just a problem with vr yeah and we had you know when when e3 happened we kind of tore the
1: studio apart and never really put it back together in a way that would be super vr friendly we did that last for rodeo and the 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 ground was off center and some stuff like that and it's like oh how do i gotta get back in there and calibrate it all and do all this stuff and at some point it's just not not enough hours in the day some days to even get it set up but but yeah, I I do feel like we should take a look at that though, at least those three things, and 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 kind of keep tabs on that stuff. Yeah, because uh, I am still interested in it, and I think when VR is good, it's really impressive. Um, but at the same time, like on a personal level, like like I said, I have not cleared the the play space in my home again to make room for the Rift. Uh, it's not it hasn't been a priority just because the software has not jumped out in a way that said, oh, you got to do this. If anything, like, you know, I think if it's rolling out this month or next, I don't think it's out already, but like Eve Valkyrie is patching in non-VR support. Weird. Yeah. It was like one of the big early launch, it was yeah. the big early launch like game E3. for VR. It was like the thing, you yeah. know, that, that you did with a Rift when it first came out, uh, even if no one else was playing it because no one had a Rift. Um, and now they're they're going non-VR huh. uh, to let more people play it, you know, so... Yeah, it's uh Yeah, it's, it's I'm still very interested in that stuff, but not to the point where I've done the work to actually be able to check it out on a regular basis.
0: You want to take another call? Let's do it. Let's take a call on the topic of hardware since we we're kind of talking about VR and stuff. Hello caller, are you there? Hello. Hello. Hi, what's your name? Where are you calling from?
1: I'm London in the UK. Hello London. What's on your mind?
2: Yeah, I'm just wondering, like with Sony and Microsoft kind of in the race for performance and chasing 4K and stuff like that, um, do you think it's finally Nintendo's chance to kind of shine by having not gotten into that race in the first place? And do you think they could even benefit from the one-upmanship that Xbox and PlayStation 4 have gotten themselves into?
1: Hmm. I, I think uh, I think Nintendo is kind of running its own business now. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily benefit or get hurt by what the other two companies are doing these days. It really seems like that, you know, they've... And, and especially now, thanks for your call. Uh, I, I think that as, especially now, they, they've really carved out their own lane better than they did with the Wii U. Uh, better than I think they've done with the 3DS by having this kind of hybrid device that you know, it's in its own power range. It's not as powerful as the other machines or the upgraded versions of those machines. It doesn't need to be. The games still look good for the types of games that Nintendo is likely to make. Um, and when you look at that, when you look at, uh, they're, they're taking a more aggressive approach to indie games, which I think is is really beneficial for, uh, you know, the kind of screen size of that thing and the, and the power range of that thing. You're going to kind to get those games that are the $15 PC games and the the kind of old Xbox Live Arcade-esque games uh fit really well on that device both on a on a TV screen and uh and as a handheld. So I think that they've really done well at kind of carving out their own thing that is very resilient and resistant to whatever other industry trends come their way whether it's VR whether it's 4K uh they've sidestepped a lot of that stuff. And I think you know in a few years that will wear out, right? You know the 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 power is only going to get more noticeable um as time goes on. So you know, there are already games that I look at, because I, I bought a 4K TV, and I look at some Switch games on it, like Rabbids, for example, like, it looks kind of grungy on a TV at times.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, because I'm used to, you know, these Four, more powerful yeah. things. But yes, not in probably. a way that's, like, pushing me away.
0: It's not like a, you know, SD to HD difference. Right.
1: But also, I would never play a multi, like, a a a big, you know, kind of top-tier uh video game, third-party game, I would not play it on the Switch. I don't value the portable nature of it enough to... Like, Like, let's say if I was a big NBA 2K fan, A, I would be outraged about how they're handling <laughs> microtransactions. B, um... Like I don't like I want to play the basketball. Like basketball games can be graphically impressive. They're representing real people. They're representing a real thing. Like the The the, HD
0: sounds of a sneaker sliding on the on the court. Exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, there's stuff like that that you want to see in the highest possible fidelity. And I think there's value to that. Yeah. So I would never play that on the Switch. Like you know if. If some of these it other, was like know, a
0: cartoony 2v2 basketball game totally
1: yeah where it runs it's going to run the same across all three of them because it's not hitting the power limits of, of any of them really um then then sure that was the problem with the wii u launch you go back and watch that stream we did it was like we're playing fucking mass effect 3 and batman and like all this stuff you're just like i don't even care like like this game is this console is coming out well after these games came out on other platforms like this is pointless a pointless waste of time unless you didn't unless you were just like so out of video games that you only bought a Wii U and you didn't have anything else then maybe you're like oh I guess I played Mass Effect on on this I could see you maybe doing that on a Switch but like yeah Doom is a good example where like I guess
0: make Doom for the Switch hell yeah dude oh my god that sounds honestly I'm excited to finish Doom on the Switch <laughs> I want to be like in a fast car playing Doom or like on the subway and just like freaking out i don't know play play the idea of playing doom in public is really appealing to me in a weird way it's
1: cool that they can do it yeah but if you're faced with options like doom is a really technically impressive game given enough power but it's it the thing about it is it scales really well it scales well you know that this whole i think they said they said it would run at 30 that's good um which is that's you know yeah yeah but look at it running on a powerful PC yeah but then i have to sit at a computer yeah <laughs> that that was the game that actually brought me back to mouse and keyboard for okay. uh, pc shooters um it felt wrong on a controller <laughs> to me in general so maybe it's a bad example across the board but... i was playing it on ps4 so yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah I, so, I, it's somebody... cool that they're doing it someone someone will get value out of that someone will be psyched uh, and, and buy that and, and play it and and whatever
0: but it Somebody in the chat points out a good point: is this is a uh, cool opportunity for indies to kind of develop a different style of game. Uh, he mentioned the golf story, uh, which is coming right. out this week. Yeah, uh, and there's like that uh, advanced wars spiritual successor, and right. there's a lot of other more maybe mobile focused but still console styled games that now can work on Switch mm-hmm. versus other consoles like things that are neat. good
1: for like short play sessions and yeah. stuff like that where, where Switch makes perfect sense
0: I think that's really cool Yeah, I, I think
1: it's great that it exists and I think it's, it's great that it's it's I mean it, it, ultimately it's the Vita done right in a lot of ways like <laughs> yeah. it, it's crazy you know like the, the Vita does a lot of that similar stuff and, and was and did not catch on uh, you know, you could say, like, oh, well, they they had their own very expensive memory add-ons for it, and, and the games were only there in fits and starts, and they did not have first-party support the way a Nintendo platform will, which all of that worked against it. But, you know, the Switch came along, and, like, as the Vita was continuing to build this story of being, like, a really good place for indie games to be played in a handheld format, suddenly it was like, oh, well, the Switch does all that totally better, and you can still play it on a TV, and it's a Nintendo platform so you know the first party support is going to be there the way it wasn't on the Vita so you know it will attract a an audience in the way that the Vita did not you know like the the Switch seemed like an incredibly risky move as they were rolling it out and and there was stuff about it that seemed very up in the air you were like man no one's going to do that but they uh they have made a quality platform and it's it's a great place for for those types of indie games a lot of great pixel art that looks great on that screen looks still looks good on a tv all that sort of stuff um it's uh it's a good thing but also like i'm not looking to play i i don't i i don't want to play skyrim on it i don't want to play doom on it i don't care uh that's cool that they're doing it that's someone will get some enjoyment out of that and that's fine but i have zero interest in like that style of third-party development on the switch yeah it's the least powerful platform like like third parties are getting better at taking advantage of that power elsewhere like I just no interest, no interest um uh, let's see here
0: yeah like a quick question you might not have a have an answer, but All somebody right. wants to know if what's your favorite if you have a a favorite bomb cast that comes to mind in the nine plus years I, I i don't um
1: it's uh we, you know we we do it we do it every week uh i i really like doing the show but i don't i don't necessarily go back and listen to it uh i like it when i'm not on it because then i can listen to it fresh yeah uh and and that's fun like if i'm on vacation i listen to the show Though so that leads to me getting angry like oh they're, they're saying that's not that's that's wrong God damn it. It's actually worse when I listen to the beast cast because then I'll hear Vinny say, Jeff, what do you think about this? And I start talking and I go, Oh wait, they have some imposter out there. Uh, that stole my damn name. (laughs) Um, let's see here. Uh, yellow of the Corn. Uh, I'm sorry. Yellow the corn dog. Yellow, yellow of the corn. Any thoughts on Shadow of War's loot boxes applying to competitive multiplayer and being able to permanently lose the characters you get in them? I think that's stupid. That sounds dumb. I don't know. At this point, like I, I feel like I want to reserve. Like, like everything they've said about their their like, uh, loot box or or, or kind of consumable, uh, strategy has sounded
0: bad. Uh, like and, Injustice 2 mm-hmm. had pay, cosmetics that you could buy in a competitive aspect. They were handled in a way where it really didn't impact it super hard. Because and, you were uh,
1: unlocking so many of them yeah. for
0: free along the way. Like, I, if so anything,
1: like, I got too many loot boxes out of Injustice 2.
0: I think it theoretically can be done. Like, I think you could theoretically have some sort of loot stuff that drops randomly and affects a competitive game system but all of this all, every story i've heard about shadow of wars cosmetic stuff has made me think it's not going to be that
1: yeah uh and and maybe the game will come out and we'll and and we'll go like oh this actually is not nearly as big of a deal as as it could have been or maybe it'll be worse like uh i know like i said like people are having an incredibly negative reaction to nba 2k this year yeah uh because of the way it distributes. Uh, XP for their creative player and that sort of stuff. Like they it seems like they're, this might be the year that they tilted the knob in favor of like, yo, pay us. If you want to level up, good. Just, just give, start giving us money like a damn phone game. Um, and that sounds pretty messed up. Um, I mean, and, and everything we've heard about sure. shadow of war sounds bad, but I feel like, like we're at a point now where like the, the stage has been set.
0: Games are just bad now.
1: Yeah, no, the stage has been set for shadow of war where oh. it's like all this stuff you look at and go like, well, you know this all sounds terrible,
0: and i
1: I really want to see
0: and what is, the final game is if it is terrible, don't buy it if you if you're opposed to the business practices of a game, don't buy it i th- yeah i think <laughs> that's, that, that's like a, the the best thing you can do
1: yeah I think that's a, that's a, a safe a safe approach for that sort of stuff and yeah like i said at this point i want to just like reserve further judgment until the game comes in because all of it sounds terrible yes if i was like looking to purchase the game you know if this was like my money i would look at the stuff that they've put out so far go like i don't think i want to do this this doesn't sound like something this doesn't sound like the sequel i want uh for a game I, i enjoyed quite a bit and i would probably at bare minimum wait for a sale but at that point you know the you will know one way or the other if the um if the loot box stuff is is hugely negatively impacting the experience or if it is just kind of an annoyance uh and and we'll know soon sounds i mean that game's out next month yeah like like pretty soon so we'll know uh and and I'm very curious to see how that goes uh but at this point like you know you could talk shit about that thing based on the first stuff they announced. So further announcements, you're just like
0: yeah, I don't know, it on. That I guess whole, like charity thing, even or the, the 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 way that stuff was like,
1: oh that that's cool. Also, but it doesn't apply the, to every territory, yeah, and, and the, that's that's legal shit. I mean, yeah, you know,
0: like we want to do giveaways and stuff, and totally, I totally agree that that like they can't be faulted for things out of their control. But these are things you maybe think about yeah. before, and also if you're already facing publicity problems from some of your business decisions maybe this isn't the best thing to do yeah, or yeah you can find a different way to, yeah, to approach exactly these situations maybe um
1: yeah it's uh it all sounds gross in a game that that i don't think needs any of that stuff no the first uh, one didn't
0: have any of that shit
1: yeah and the second one i, I don't know like i, I from what i played the second one like they're really ramping up all that nemesis system stuff and all the you know they got their fort takeover stuff and that's really the only stuff i've played is the the fort takeover stuff but in playing it i came away from it going like man this game seems like overly complex now like before there was kind of a lot going on but you you could manage it but now they've they've just layered so much more of that stuff on there that and granted, it's because I, I didn't build it from scratch, so I didn't learn every step of the way what abilities I had and and what what orcs I had at my disposal or whatever. So being dropped into the middle of that game is not a great way to demo it. Yeah. But I definitely came away from it going like, this is too much. This is this is there's there's too much here. I don't I don't think I want to engage with this game on this deeper level. Um, regardless of the microtransaction stuff. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it all comes out. It, it's a it's a real mess uh Chaser uh, 324 brings up uh, WWE 2K18 will probably also be loaded up with microtransactions you know considering NBA was and all that stuff that makes sense but he then says but that's already a bad game so fewer people will end up complaining yeah. Yeah, wrestling games are bad well that wrestling games bad most wrestling games are bad most wrestling games most modern wrestling games are bad it's true you want to take one more call yeah I'll take one more call
0: all right I'm going to go ahead and ring up this person hello you're on the phone with... Hello. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Where are you at?
2: Uh, this is Gerrit from the Netherlands.
1: Hey, how's it going? What's uh, what's on your mind?
2: So I've been uh, playing and enjoying uh, Tooth and Tail, which is the woodland creature strategy game with uh, accessible, I guess, controller-friendly controls. Yeah. Um, and I really like games that uh, take like an established, highly competitive genre and, um, uh, like make it accessible, I guess. I've always been interested in the macro level of strategy games, like scouting, picking your troop composition, right. where to expand, when to expand. But the very extensive, uh, micro requirements always put me off. And in a similar way, I've always been interested in the mind game aspect of fighting games, but. Uh, Going into a a test room and hammering out combos and uh, practicing, like, the fireball for the Mm -hmm. sure you can motion um, put me off. But then Rising Thunder allowed me to enjoy the mind game uh, part of fighting games, which I really enjoyed. So my question to you is, what games um, like this do you enjoy? And are there any games that could get you into genres you don't like right now?
1: yeah uh yeah thanks for calling that's uh yeah that's a good one Oink. yeah uh i think like well fantasy strike is kind of the other like simple fighting game yeah. out that the rising thunder is no longer <laughs> available We i think we talked about it a little bit last week but uh but you know chained up in a dungeon in riot somewhere that's right seth killian just in a bunker somewhere <laughs> being whipped over and over again he doesn't even know why anymore um and yeah, I thought Rising Thunder was was really cool. Uh, and Fantasy Strike is a similar concept. That's on Steam now. Um, but it I, last time I tried, I didn't find any other human players, so I don't know that I can necessarily recommend it. Uh, just
0: because you you might not find a match. Um, yeah. Uh, the other game he mentioned in his initial question was Hearthstone, oh. as a yeah. good like, hey, this is what Magic is kind of like. You know, like sure. this is. I I really do like those those games. I really you know I love the idea of rising thunder i think tooth and tail is great like i'm totally pro very simplified because ver- they're not for like rising thunder isn't for me right it, it i can enjoy it right and i yeah. can play it with other fighting game people and enjoy it but what it is it's a bridge yeah it's a way for people to get into fighting games mm-hmm. through this accessible game um, and I think those are totally great. And, and I I actually I'm trying I'm racking my brain trying to think of other ones like this. I might look at like
1: uh, honestly like old sports games were were very much stripped down takes on on the full sport. You know, it used to be that you could enjoy a football game and not know anything about football. Uh you know, NBA Jam's take on basketball was was a really simplified and 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 for I think for a lot of people NBA Jam especially uh, could have served as a bridge to people getting into actual basketball uh, as well as uh, staying interested in, in future basketball games um, because of just how amazing that game played. I think when done right, you know, the the, the you talk about Rising Thunder as a bridge. And, and yeah, I think when done right, like that can get people so excited about the thing that they go out and get deeper and deeper into it. I got into hockey. For a year and a half or so, just because EA's hockey games were so good. I, I eventually learned what offsides was and what the blue lines meant and icing and all that shit. Because I played so much of those, like it was the Sega CD one specifically. Um, so much of that hockey game that I eventually started collecting hockey cards and I knew huh. who the players were of the era and I liked the Kings. And Luke Robitaille and, and and Rob Blake, you know, like the, the kings of that era and that sort of stuff. And and it didn't stick. Uh, I mean, I still know some of the basic rules of hockey and and all that sort of stuff. But eventually the games just got too complicated, you know? And, and, and so I think you can have cases where, where that sort of stuff distills the experience down in a way that, that anyone can appreciate. And I, I wish that they try here and there to try to get sports games that try to capture that feel but they never attract enough of a player base uh you know ea put out nba jam games that were decent um but they just didn't have legs and they they did an nfl blitz game that really fucked up some fundamental stuff about nfl blitz i could we could talk for that's hours That's another podcast yeah that's a different a separate the jump pass how do you you have to be able to jump and then pass yeah simple i mean it's, in, it's right there in the name simple they fucked up the jump pass in that in their remake of of n f l blitz it's it's disturbing um anyway i think that's that's about gonna wrap us up here I, i'll take like maybe one more two more two more questions out of the uh the text chat here uh sir h c wants to know do you guys consider battle royale a game mode or a genre i think it will eventually prove to be a game mode yes uh though right now you see games fully devoted to it i think when you see other shooters try to take it on, it will be in the form of this this game's multiplayer mode is a battle royale.
0: I think there will be a couple games out there who try and just straight up make a better player unknown's battlegrounds yeah. or what have you. But yeah, for the most part, it's going to be a mode in another game in a battlefield, yeah. in a call of duty, whatever. Yeah.
1: What do you think of that I mean, like it's almost like um like you're into some of the non Smash Brothers, Smash Brothers games. Yeah uh was it like rivals of rivals of, of aether. aether yeah i feel like every time i see you on discord <laughs> you are either playing dota or that um and I, yeah I, I mean how do you feel about that stuff like what do you think about playstation all-stars yeah that's a battle royale game no, <laughs> uh,
0: uh i think well like so so smash and, and melee and, and smash 4 have grown right they're their own genre now there's tournaments with tens of thousands of dollars on the line mm. almost like monthly at this point it's be- there's dozens of sponsored players sponsored by real organizations who are smash their full-time career weird so of course yeah right yeah and these are like kids there's a dude who's sponsored by fries electronics <laughs> all right um but uh right so so it makes sense that we're gonna start seeing not clones but games inspired by them and i think I think whenever you ha- whenever you make a, cl- I'm just gonna say clone because it's easier. It's I, it's a little reductive, it, but you know what a, I mean. Yeah, there's, it's got a, it's taken on a negative, yes connotation for sure. Uh, but when you make one of these types of games, you have to have something in it. You, you either can do one of two things. You can either be like it's that game you love but better. We've taken out all the bullshit which is kind of what Rivals of Aether is trying to do with Melee where they're making it a lot easier to handle and and do Mm. all the technical stuff you want to do without fighting against the GameCube controller. Um, Or you can do something like Brawlhalla does where it's like our main shtick is now you have weapons and like you kind of get a weapon stance. Yeah. And so you can either have a unique spin on it that you think is going to add a different kind of gameplay depth to it Mm. Or you can try and perfect on it because I'm sure you can make a game that's technically better than Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, it definitely. I mean, I'm not going to say it's easy, but no. you could do that if you were a huge studio. You could make like a more polished version of that game, mm-hmm. but that's not what makes that particular game appealing.
1: Right? Yeah, I think if you remade it but better, a I think they've sold enough copies that they'll get there. You know, they'll have the resources at their disposal to work on this game for years and years and, and continue to improve on it. And they've got a, an established fan base. I think the the thing that remains to be seen is how loyal is that fan base. Because, uh, you know, these these are theoretically the, the longtime fans of this style of game have already been through a couple of mods by now. So are they married to Battlegrounds? Or if someone else comes along and does it better, will they jump ship immediately? Uh, and I think, you know, I think what we, you know, during the podcast talked about it in terms of like that, the MOBA scene and how yeah. you saw a lot of people taking shots at League and and Dota. There was just too much money for them not to
0: try to gamble on it.
1: Exactly, uh, and and most of them
0: and failing. It, it, it was also a weird sensation because it kind of came out of nowhere. Right, like there was a sure there was people playing Han and people still playing Dota One, but I didn't know anyone really who was into MOBAs yeah, before yeah. League, right yeah and uh, so if it was like the idea of there's this untapped audience, maybe we can tap into it, mm-hmm. but it was too late at that point
1: yeah like you you kind of have a window and the window closes, and I wonder i I assume we'll get to a point where there are like one or two dominant players in that space, and maybe that's the point where it does kind of become a genre instead of a game again, as you'll, you'll but I bet it as as I bet the trend line for this will be right now it's a genre, it will eventually become a mode. And then a lot of those games that made it modes will either pivot fully into making their entire game about that mode or they will fall away and you will have the games that are fully devoted to this style of game being the top games. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet that's, that's how this eventually shakes out, but we're talking realistically, like we would talking about the next five years of games, you know, like battlegrounds is in the process of doing four shooters what Call of Duty 4 did for them in 2007. You know, Call of Duty 4's spin on competitive shooting and adding XP and unlockables and all that sort of stuff and, and building that in a very fun first, very user-friendly way to where you even got XP if you lost. Right. Was very smart. And then every single shooter and a ton of non-shooters, Blur, that Activision driving game, had loadouts and perks and all that same oh, shit. Right. So many games were like oh, man, that p- plucked uh those class create a class elements out of call of duty 4 and the other call of duty games uh that it just became the standard in games and now i think some of that stuff's falling away back to the point where like only the games that really need it have it now it's not a bullet point uh it's not a, a matter of like oh well this makes games successful like nah, no no not not really and i think battlegrounds we're, we're seeing that same this could, this could all blow up over and, and be gone overnight too I, th- I think there's a chance that You know, the the audience is pretty fickle and and maybe they do fall away or or maybe Battlegrounds makes some bad choices and goes in the wrong directions and dilutes their own thing.
0: You get one chicken dinner and you realize that high you were chasing is never really going to be accomplished again. And then not going
1: to lie, that chicken dinner that we got this week. It was my second. Less psyched about it than the first. Yeah. By at least an order of magnitude. And then
0: in a week, you're going to be Matt Pasquale and you are going to be getting multiples in one day. Like it's nothing.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm probably never going <laughs> to be that, but someone is, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I suspect this thing is going <laughs> to, this thing's going to be around a while. And yes. and I, I bet we're looking at probably like the next five years of video games potentially being influenced by this style. And I think it's really good because high player count online stuff, you don't see a lot of it. So I, I'm excited to see, other developers have takes on that that are that step outside of the shooters. You know, wh- where's like the, you know, and maybe mountain blade already is this to a certain extent, but I was going to say, where's yeah. the forerunner of battleground style games. When do you get to that point where it's, it's like a, it's a whole melee thing Damn. or like an absolver oh. with a hundred people in one area or something, you know, they're
0: like mountain blade was great because you had a yell button. Yeah.
1: In battlegrounds, you have a horn button.
0: That's true. Yeah. But you can't always horn. You need to be able to
1: have a voice horn. Uh, yeah. You should be able to click left mouse with no gun equipped. Instead goes, of punches, I'm hungry. Goes, ah, Food I- for me. Chicken for everyone. Let's split the chicken.
0: Let's all have a piece. Yeah. Two wings. No problems. Yep. Well, that's going to do it for uh, what are we, uh, Technical, technical difficulties, difficulties with Ben and Jeff. Which is a fitting name because I got forgot to hit record on the one thing, but we've got a backup. That's not a technical difficulty <laughs> at all. <laughs> we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for calling in,
1: for uh, getting in the chat, and we'll be back.